You're listening to the Straight Crooked Podcast. Hello, we're two random women with microphones and welcome to Straight Crooked. I'm Emberly. I'm Lena. Join us every week for our unfiltered, unapologetic banter where nothing is off limits. Okay. Okay. Let's get started. So you remember when we went to the Grayface Museum, right? Yes, I loved that experience. <laughs> Do you want to explain what it is a little bit? I would describe it as like, um, my first thought would be serial killer museum, but there's more than just that in there. Yeah. Um, so they really, really liked uh, like vintage freak shows. You remember like the two-headed cow? Yes. Um, the shrunken heads and some of them were real shrunken heads and some of them weren't. Um, and then they had that Ed Gein horror house, which yes, were you, we didn't get to go, you didn't get that. to go in it. Oh my God. I forgot. I went back, um, after and it was open. Um, and as soon as you walk in, they have a mannequin with very real looking genitalia. Um, and she's been, you know, split open, she's decapitated and yeah, no, it's, it's very, very intense. Um, but they also, um, the owners of Graveface Museum, um, are friends with John Gacy's sister. Um, and they collected a lot of John Wayne Gacy's clown art, right? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I was honestly shocked with the amount of art in there. Yeah. Um, no. And it was just a miraculous experience. But what um, I wanted to bring up with that is that Grayface also has a record store, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we've never been there. I think we really, really need to be able to get there one day um, yeah. to go play the pinball machines and like all that cool stuff. But anyway, regardless, um, he used to sell a serial killer board game. Um, and it, I guess it was like back in the 90s or, or something like that. Um, and I was talking to this person and he said that he had a version of the game back in the day um, and they don't sell it anymore. Um, but, you know, sold for like $35, $40 at the time. Um, and now it goes for $700. <laughs> $700 for a board game. Yeah. Um, which I guess now, because, you know, the true crime community is more respectful as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that profiting off of, serial killer like entertainment in that way is socially acceptable anymore right. so I guess that's probably why they stopped making it and why it's like a collector's item now <laughs> I get that yeah but I also feel like someone should just like recreate it and sell it yeah I, I would want it but I'm not gonna pay $700 for it hey maybe you should make one he said it was like uh Candyland but morbid okay I just need someone, I need to find like a video or something on the internet of someone playing it so I can get a feel for it. Yeah. And create a version of it. True. We should uh, that would be fun. maybe work on that. Good, Let's good do adventure it. there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jealous you got to see that other exhibit though. Like now we need to go back to the museum. I would love to see that. I feel like it, it consistently changes too. Like, you oh. know, so definitely think it's worth it. They have memberships actually. So do they? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe it would just be worth it because I think I've been at three, like three times at this point. That so, makes sense if it's changing. If it didn't change, I mean, how often are you going to go just stare at John Wayne Gacy's artwork, you know? I mean, hey, you never know. You never know. 
Um, and it seems like they're getting stuff all the time. But nice. they have Jim Jones's sunglasses and some of the flavor aid packets from Jonestown and oh the um the audio from Jonestown was chilling. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I actually ended up looking up the crime scene pictures because I was like, listen, they showed, you know, and these are like historic pictures and they're very accessible with Jonestown just being completely wiped out hundreds of people laying on the ground and everything but I was like you know they've never shown Jim Jones like his actual oh. body there yeah um so I was curious because I wanted to see <laughs> um and it is rough because he and one other person were the only ones who shot themselves in the head so they decided to take a quick and easy way out or somebody shot him in the head rather um, but they were able to take the quick route while, you know, he made everybody else take cyanide and die a slow, painful death, including children. So really messed up. I don't think I knew that fact. I just assumed he drank the Kool-Aid as well. He I never not. knew that he was shot. He did not. Wow. And, you know, he, uh, would do this drill often. Like he would say, okay, it's time you're going to drink this cocktail and it's filled with, you know, whatever. And he would just be gaslighting them. Um, it's like it was a test. Have you seen American Horror Story Cult? Yes. Evan Peters' character, Kai, he did that to his little cult that he had. He was like, we're all going to go out together and gave them this like tea or Kool-Aid mixture. I'm trying to remember. I feel like it's been so long since I've seen that one. Because that and was his the one about the election, right? Yes. And he was testing them. So all the ones that were like, oh, I want to do this, he killed them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. God. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah why i i don't understand why people feel the need for uh power and and control like that um yeah you know but speaking of power and control though because i know we wanted to talk about some really messed up psychological experiments yes right yes. um so the first one that i think is just absolutely mind-boggling is the stanford prison experiment have you ever heard of that one before it sounds familiar i could not tell you what it's about though okay um so what they did was it was at stanford university um and this was back in the day before they had um internal review boards or irbs so what you would have to do now is you have to submit your whole entire study and how you're going to go about doing it and they have to approve it before you can actually move forward with doing it um, and I just feel like either the ethics standards were very low at that time, um, or they just didn't have IRBs at all. Um, but anyway, so they assigned the participants, um, some of them would be inmates and then some of them would be guards. Okay. And so knowing full well that it was an experiment, right. Mm -hmm. Everybody just got lost absolutely lost in this game like they were stuck in there you know it, it was prison-like conditions and then it started to turn into a reality for them so the guards were being extremely violent to the inmates and it just pure chaos but then they let them switch groups so yeah the the inmates became the guards and the guards became the inmates. So, wow. um, yeah, it, it went very, very, very poorly. Um, they ended up having to stop the study, but 
that's kind of just linking to that power and control thing. You know, when you think you have something, even though they had no credentials or, or certifications, no position of authority at all, it was an experiment. Um, but just the authoritarian principle of it is just so insane. To yeah. Me. And when was this? I think it was like back in the 70s. Okay. So not like a crazy long time ago. No. No. Um, but there was another one that I thought was really interesting. So um, this one was called the the tea room trade. So like the tea? ethical concern with this one is if behaviors can be publicly observed, do you need to get their consent to have them participate in the study? What do you think? Mm. I feel like if you're in a public space, going out in public, like my first thought was the mall, mm-hmm. you kind of just have to be prepared to be observed mm-hmm. like and perceived. Like you're out, like you can't hide anything, like your behavior, your actions and stuff. I mean, it right. also depends. Like I feel like if I was having one of those days and someone was observing me, it's going to set me off. But again, you're in a public place. It'd be different if you're like at the doctor or your home or, you know, private property. Okay. So let me see what you think about this one. Okay. Um, so, you know, and I'm sure you're very well aware, um, that people, gay men who mm-hmm. are either closeted gay, you know, have families and, and things like that. Um, you know, they want to go for random hookups and things. Right. Right. Um, so there was this bathroom at a public park, And the researcher wanted to do a study on these men meeting each other for, you know, casual sex in the bathroom. Um, So he said that he was going to be the watcher, like the lookout for the people. And he would act as the lookout for those people. Um, But he would do reports on them and he would classify um, different people into different categories. So you have your white collar gay people who aren't gay, like aren't out as gay, but they're very fast and loose with their behavior Mm -hmm. um, because they have enough money to kind of make things go away or fix it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have your blue collar men um, who are typically married and have kids and, and everything else. And they, you know, meet up for casual sex and then, um, you have your, you know, out and proud people. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. So do you think that that is something that should be observed and studied? No, because they're in the, I feel like they're in the bathroom mm-hmm. that it's not private property, but that's like a private place. But at the same time, yes, because you're doing an intimate act in public. Even if it is in the bathroom, it is a public bathroom. Yeah. I think I would feel more strongly if they were recorded or something like that, audio or video, or like literally being watched. Mm-hmm. But like maybe, and I understand it's harder, especially for like the closeted ones, but I don't think a public park bathroom is the place to do it. Like, I feel like you have to expect that that'd be like doing it in your hotel room up against the wall or the window with the, the curtains open or out on your balcony. 
and expecting people not to like record you right. with your cell phones. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. No, and and I get that. And the thing is though is that also if you're not provide which in research you wouldn't provide any personally identifiable information anyway, but you're not really reporting on specific um identifying factors. So you're grouping it in for quantitative research. Um so you would probably never even know that you participated right. in it, even after the studies published and nobody else will be the wiser to it either. That makes it a little bit more blurry for me though, because now I'm like, you're not outing anybody. You're not giving away personal information and the watcher is in a public place. So they're not really in the wrong, <laughs> like morally, I guess. Yeah. In a sense, legally. Go ahead, observe, I guess. I mean, that one's a little tough. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the whole line with ethics. It's like just because something isn't technically illegal doesn't mean that it's ethical. Right. You know? And then sometimes things are ethical but aren't necessarily legal. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I know in oh God, I don't want to misquote the country. Um, I wanna say it was maybe like Spain or Portugal, one of those. Um, but they have a, um, like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go back to that. Okay. So there is in Arizona, they have a needle exchange program, like a handshake type of agreement where, you know, intravenous drug users can exchange their needles in order to prevent, diseases like hep C and and things like that. Mm. Um, And technically that's not a legal agreement, but they kind of have a a handshake agreement with the police that they don't prosecute those things because it is ethical and, you know, preventing the spread of diseases and safe use because, you know, it's a problem in our country and not everybody is just going to stop doing drugs. It's kind of unavoidable. Um, So, I mean, I guess it's kind of like distributing condoms for free. Yeah. You know, it is still kind of the, yeah. on the same playing field here. Um, so yeah. And that's not legal, but it's ethical to do, you know? Yeah. So is it, I mean, I guess the opposite of legal would be illegal. Is it illegal to do that? To provide like using spaces and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I would think so. Okay. I, I don't know. And the thing is, though, is that it's been a really long way since I took these like ethics classes in my undergrad in psychology. Cause like, dear God, that was like 2016. So it's, it's been a while. Um, yeah. so, but no, they've always kind of stuck with me and, and stood out. Um, but I have one more. Which, oh, let's hear it. So this one is, um, like conditioning people to mm-hmm. responses. So, Um, there was this baby and they called him little Albert and I mean, child, like two years old child. Um, and so they would, um, put him in a room with a white rabbit. Okay. Okay. And then they would play this horrible, horrible sound and paired it with that rabbit. And so automatically then when he would see that white rabbit, he would freak out, even though nothing bad has happened to him, you know, with the rabbit, but 
that pairing with the sound has conditioned him to, you know, freak out. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, that scarred him for life. It generalized to all fluffy white things. Whoa. Yeah. Just over a sound. Over, yeah. And so, like, there's your ethical question there. And, like, you just completely screwed up a child for their whole entire life. Right. <laughs> over that. In oh the name God. of science. And what was their goal in doing that? Um, so that's kind of like Pavlovian conditioning. So, like, you know, where they talk about the dog and you feed the dog and you ring a bell. And mm-hmm. when they ring a bell and you remove the food then they're still salivating yeah because they know that the food's coming kind of like that but they're using real humans to and traumatizing them to prove something that exactly so that's why we have those uh review boards and and stuff like that because (laughs) we got to make sure that we're not traumatizing anybody in the process that's Um, very interesting to know because that's i mean not working in that field or anything that's not something i ever thought about mm -hmm. you just hear about experiments and whatnot i'm not even thinking like hey are they out here like traumatizing people right right and you are able to use deception in a study because sometimes you have to um in order to get unbiased behaviors opinions whatever um but you have to brief them after the study is over Oh. And yeah, you have to let them know. And then you have to provide resources like, hey, if you're not okay, um, <laughs> you know. I don't love that either, though, because like, yeah. I don't want to have to go through the work to like reverse trauma that they gave me. You know what yeah. I mean? No, you want to hear a really traumatizing one. Yes. Um, they had uh, one where they would, um, there was an actor in a white lab coat posing as the researcher. Okay. And, um, so they would put a participant in a room and they had them read questions to somebody in another room. Okay. The -hmm. person in the other room was also an actor. And so if they answered the questions, right, everything was fine. If they answered the questions wrong, they would get an electric shock And with each wrong answer, the shock got progressively more and more intense, right? Which nobody's being shocked. Everything is an act, but they don't know that. But it's also this authority, right? So you have this man in a white lab coat and people are starting to get apprehensive because the person in the next room, you know, it's recording like, ah, please stop. And, you know, just freaking out because they're in pain, right? And so the participant shows hesitation. They're like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Keep going. Keep going. And then I think they got it to the point where they were, like, not responding at all anymore. Like, they thought that they killed them. And uh, so, yeah, even when they brief them afterwards, obviously, you're like, I have the capability to kill somebody. But then you also just listen to whoever. And, I mean, that's the same thing with doctors, I mean, everything. And that's what is so scary. Like you have to question authority rather than just blindly follow them. Yeah. And people are like, I would never do that. You know, I would never do that. But you don't know until you're in that situation. Yeah. You'd be surprised how people just blindly listen to something a stranger says if they think they hold some kind of power. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like instilled in us growing up, like 
don't question your teachers. Don't talk back. You know, your parents are always right. Respect your elders, doctors, this, all this stuff. We're just told that these people are right. And then you get older and you realize how many people are wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't like that. Oh my God. And you know, I didn't plan to talk about this. This isn't a psychological study, but it was something that I saw on Dr. Phil the other day, which confession, I love Dr. Phil, even though he's not a practicing psychologist and his show is kind of wrong. But um, I was watching this episode of Dr. Phil um, and there was this attorney and he was like a family divorce attorney, right? And um, so he would work with women in vulnerable situations who were getting divorces and things like that. And he would try to like calm them down before court dates and things like that. Um, And he would say, let's practice some mindfulness or meditation. And he would say like, look at my pen and he would end up hypnotizing them and sexually assaulting them while they were hypnotized. No. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Um, he actually even got a judge and a prosecutor to agree to something like in a case by using hypnosis. <laughs> I didn't even realize hypnosis even worked like it's that. It's real. And I mean, no, because I asked my therapist about it because I was thinking about maybe, you know, trying to do it. And she said um, she was certified in hypnotherapy. And she said that it's an ethical thing for her is why she stopped doing it because you can really have so much control over a person that that's probably not a good idea to, to have control over somebody to that degree. Yeah. Um, which is insane. (laughs) I feel like for me, that's one of those things I can't think about too much because then it's like, what if I'm out in public and a stranger hypnotizes me and I don't even know, you know, it's like one of those things that can send you into a spiral when you're thinking too much about it. Because I always thought that like with, with hypnotism, like you had to believe it was going to work to be able to fall into a trance like that. But apparently you don't. (laughs) What if we've been hypnotized and we don't know it? Well, I mean, okay, listen, yesterday in my therapy appointment, I almost felt like I was about to be hypnotized. So we did something called brain spotting Mm -hmm. um, because I know that I've shared with you my struggles with depression, like, and, you know, anxiety and self-esteem and and all of this stuff. And uh, my, my therapist was like, we're going to try something called brain spotting. Um, And that one was um, they actually scan your visual field so she had a little pointer and it looked like a Mickey Mouse hand um, like this. And so she had the pointer and she was like, I want you to focus on, um, <laughs> I want you to focus on this pointer. And then we need to think about something that um, is really bothering you or really upsetting you. And for mine, it is my self-esteem. That is absolutely the root of all of my problems. Okay. So we were talking and so she's telling me to, to think of a thought and keep it in my mind and keep saying it to myself over and over like an automatic thought. So like, I'm disgusting. I don't deserve love. All of these different things that we tell ourselves. Right. And so she's scanning your visual field and she goes very, very slow like this with the pointer. Okay. And so you're supposed to follow her with your eyes 
and she actually looks at your blinks. So she said, you know, when we go across, like you may have a blank or two, you know, just kind of going across the visual field. She said, I was blinking the entire time. The so what do the blinks way. mean? It means that it is a very, very strong and like traumatizing issue for me. Like, wow. yeah, absolutely. And that's why, because I know you sat in the lobby yesterday with mm-hmm. me and, um, I, I cried and that is not something that usually happens with me at all. Um, but it was, it was really, really interesting. And we, I had to pinpoint like where in my body I felt the pain and it was shift. Like it moved to my stomach and then it moved to the side of my head and the back of my head. And then it moved back down to my stomach again. And it was just (laughs) remarkable. It really was. And it was so simple. Um, but just so wild. And I mean, as a therapist, I had never really known anything about it. Um, right. But that's because I'm a social worker and I'm kind of solution focused. And it's like, hey, what problems can we solve for you? Not let's go back and, and dig deeper into what's making you this way. Yeah. You know? So it is a little bit different. So with the with her moving it mm-hmm. and like watching your blinks, like what happens from there? Like what did the tears start because you were thinking your thoughts or like? Well, she was also kind of like encouraging me and telling me things along the way. Like, what are you feeling now? And it was kind of like, it moved from those horrible, like negative thoughts I was thinking about myself to I'm tired of feeling like this and I really Mm -hmm. want to be able to change it. Right. So it did kind of shift the, the thinking and the focus a little bit. Okay. Um, but she said too, that generally there's a huge improvement after one of those sessions mm-hmm. and she didn't expect that to happen with me. Really? Yeah. So, um, I think there's going to be a lot more work to do on that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a very deep seated problem just with, you know, society and, and stigma about, you know, how we're supposed to look and, and everything. And I think it's just been so deeply ingrained in me that it it's going to take a lot of time to reverse that. Right. Well, I hope that keeps working. That sounds really cool. You'll have to keep me updated on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So there was one last thing we wanted to talk about and I'll let you kind of start your, uh, your OCD story or your, <laughs> so The thing that kind of made me question, do I have OCD? Well, let me start by saying back in the day, like recently, (laughs) I kind of looked at OCD as like, I'm going to flick the light switch three times before I leave. Like everything has to be straight and organized. And then, you know, you learn that that is not all there is to it because all of these things are so, so much more complex than you even originally think, especially when you're just hearing about it, like on TV and stuff like that. It's like very stereotypical. Um, so I noticed I have these, my room is kind of in two sections. Half of it is carpet and half is hardwood floor. Mm-hmm. And there's like a beam at the top in the middle that divides the two sections. And um, I hung these string lights. They just hang down. They're really pretty. They only come down like to my head mm-hmm. kind of from the ceiling. Um, and when you walk through them, your head knocks into them and that's fine. But sometimes the cords like twist around each other. And I just randomly got to the point, I don't know what caused it, 
where I, it's fine to be twisted during the day, but when I'm laying down to go to bed and I walk to my bed and if they twist up, I can't lay down and go to sleep. If I do something bad is going to happen. I don't know what my brain doesn't specify, but I like, I physically cannot go to sleep. I have to untangle them. They all have to be straight down. And then I just started thinking of some other things, you know, germs, germs are a really bad thing for me. Sanitizing your phone every time you come in from outside. Yes. And all of this started in the ninth grade, I believe when grandma and like Terry Lynn's kids gave me the stomach bug at Thanksgiving because they had had it a couple of days before. Mm-hmm. That was like the final straw for me. I was like, I can't, I can't do germs anymore. <laughs> um, and it's also progressed to the point where I can't sanitize my phone with hand sanitizer. That is not clean enough. I use rubbing alcohol. And every you carry single- it in a spray bottle with you I everywhere you go. travel with it in a spray bottle, have it with me everywhere. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of funny to think about though, but um, if I go out in public at all, in the like if I'm just driving to the drive-thru anything I don't even have to get out of the car when I get home my phone's being sanitized and I don't care if I got home at eight o'clock at night and I sanitize it when I lay down at 11 12 it's getting its final sanitizing for the day oh really yes no matter what it has to have that final spray wipe down before I lay down for you bed. probably have the cleanest phone in America you know that I think I do and oh my god that actually reminds me when other people hand me their phone, especially like my dad's phone or like dude's phones are the worst, <laughs> but you know, cause like guys are gross, yeah. but even when other people, I haven't done this with your phone cause you're a very clean person, but sometimes people hand me their phone and my fingers feel like, oh, they feel sick afterwards. <laughs> and I'm like, let me go wash my hands. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I've just been noticing little things like that that I'm like wait a minute I don't think a normal person sits here and worries about this yeah and I mean the thing is though is that there is a difference between you know being exceptionally clean and things like that but when you brought up the lights and you're like I have to fix them or something bad is gonna happen that was like okay that's an OCD characteristic because yeah you know, you have your obsessions, your obsessive thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. But you also have your compulsions and compulsions are a behavior that you absolutely isn't irresistible impulse. You have to do it. Yeah. And, um, it, it's kind of both for you. So you have to do that behavior or else something bad is going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we decided that we wanted to do a little, um, OCD assessment with you. Yes. Um, and I've administered it quite a few times. Um, I have a couple of clients who have OCD. I have OCD myself. My therapist has OCD. It's actually quite more common than anybody realizes it. Um, right. So we we did that assessment, and it's called the uh, Y box for anybody who's uh, curious. Um, but we asked about behaviors. Um, past or current behaviors and and you had to agree to each of those and uh we we scored her up and what did I say yesterday it's like 
mild symptoms or was it moderate? I couldn't remember. Um, I had 11 out of 20 from uh, both yeah. parts. I'm trying to remember if that was mild or moderate. So that's like one over half if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how how did you feel kind of getting that? Was that like validation for you in some way or is it like, oh no, like- it makes more sense because like I know it's not anything severe because I've heard of a, like a lot worse cases and stuff like that mm-hmm. but it does kind of validate things because I'm usually just like I don't know if I'm around someone that's not used to it I'll just automatically be like sorry I'm crazy like saying it with my phone or like I explained to you how if my same thing with my phone if my clothes have been in the outside world I'm immediately changing when I get into my house I, if I sit on my living room couches because they're not cloth so I can like wipe them down. If I sit yeah. on them with outside clothes, then like when I go shower and put on my inside, my clean clothes, I'm taking sanitizer or a Clorox wipe or I mean rubbing alcohol or a Clorox wipe and mm-hmm. I wipe down the chairs before I sit in them again. And then no outside clothes on my bed, no shoes on my carpet. If I had it my way, no one would ever be allowed to step foot in the entire house with shoes on. I know. What's so funny to me as an OCD person doing these assessments, I'm like, yeah, that's totally rational. (laughs) Right. That's probably hard for you. Yeah. No, it kind of is. But I mean, that's when you have to just work to not be um, biased and and just maintain your objectivity, you know. But yeah, no, it's... uh... (laughs) It's definitely interesting. So Um, are you saying that you officially diagnosed me with OCD? So I can't officially diagnose you. um, A, because I'm not treating you. And B, because I'm not licensed to practice independently right now. So my supervisor has to accept my diagnosis and like verify it. Got it. Okay. Um, So once I become an LCSW next year, you... uh, you can probably get that diagnosis. <laughs> so what you're saying is there's a high possibility and that it's something it to look indicates, into. It indicates the presence okay. of, of some OCD behaviors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it does kind of help me be like, I'm not just being a psychopath. Like it's just, it's just my brain. Yeah, no, seriously. And that's just, it's kind of the way that it, it works. But, yeah. um, you know, they, uh, the treatment for that is like, cognitive behavioral therapy and there's also exposure therapy so what that is is it's doing things that you don't like like resisting the urge to sanitize your phone even if you delay it you know what i'm saying so they have Mm -hmm. your um subjective units of distress what they call suds rating and that's just you you know you have zero to a hundred and it's like this distress that's causing me right now to not be able to perform this behavior i'm at a hundred this is driving yeah. me insane and so you wait and you wait and you wait and you try <laughs> to oh just God. keep rating your rating yourself on how long you can delay that for um and i mean eventually you'll probably give in and do it right uh, but the goal is to um, get to the point where it's not impacting your life so much. Okay, let me say this. I know I'm potentially OCD, but I there's no world that exists where I can rationalize not cleaning my phone. 
daily and nightly. <laughs> it's just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Is that Squidward? <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I'm a SpongeBob. <laughs> what did you say? Hey, I'm a SpongeBob. That was, uh, Sandy. Sandy. Yeah. Did I sound like SpongeBob when I left? Do it I, again. Do it again. It was giving goat. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty good. What about um? Like <laughs> Don't say that around Murphy. Who's Murphy? Nobody knows. Who's Murphy? A demon. <laughs> okay um, wait i have one thing to say yeah do you know that there's people i've seen on tiktok that are afraid to say demon because they think it summons them they say the d word the d word <laughs> i would just think damn well i think i think i heard someone say the d word that rhymes with semen oh my god but they think that demon like invites them to you and I'm like, honey. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, I already am one. I don't know. Yeah, I am. I'm demon, bridge troll. Just all like Dora? Huh? Dora. The explorer? Correct. What about her? The troll. What troll? I'm the grumpy old troll. Listen, who lives under the you forget bridge. we have an age difference. I was too old for Dora when she came out. That is not true. You were yes, too old for I Dora. Yes, I was. I never watched Dora. No. How do you know SpongeBob then? SpongeBob came out in 1999 when I was five years old. When did Dora come out? I don't know. She was too young for me. 2000. Oh, well, I don't know. I just didn't like it then. That's messed up. Well, so it, no. So I feel like Dora was a baby show. It was. She was talking to us and everything, knowing that she couldn't hear us. Hey. That's all. Just hey. All right. Hey. 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 How you doing? Hey, honey. How are you doing today? How are you doing? Finish this in that voice. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. No. Doesn't that hurt you? No. Really? Really. I run out of breath, but it doesn't hurt. You run out of breath. It sounds like a demon. (laughs) I told you I was a demon. You have to kind of suck in while you're talking. Like you gotta breathe in while you're talking. Go. No, I don't want to. (laughs) Do it. I don't want to. Didn't I do it the first time? And you were like, "Hey, you're not bad at that." Yeah. So what happened? The pressure. I don't know. Pressure's on. (laughs) There was a little hand on my face Dude, there's a hand there's been a hand on mine and when you started talking about the little mickey hand <laughs> that was i noticed it right before that and i thought something wild was happening 
<laughs> I was like, you you summoned Mickey hand. <laughs> Question, since we're already just being off topic. Yeah. Is Mickey Mouse Michael Mouse? Is Mickey only short for Michael or short for only Michael? I'm guessing that's my question. What else Mickey... would it be short for? I guess dudes can just be named straight up Mickey. Michelob? Yes. Michelob Mouse. Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. Should do that. Because I saw something on the internet that was like, uh, why is everyone calling him Mickey? You don't even know him like that. That's Michael Mouse. What's Minnie's real name? Minnesota. <laughs> oh, no. Chuck E. Cheese. Charles. Charles Cheese. Okay. Did I ask you if you've ever gone to Billy Bob's? You did, and I had no idea what you were talking about. Did your mom know what I was talking about? I forgot to ask her. <sighs> Billy Bob's. Billy Bob's. Good old Conyers GA. Man. That was oh, something else. Those animatronics were fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. We watched the whole mm-hmm. amusement parks and abandoned attractions yes. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That was very entertaining. I really enjoyed that. It was that. entertaining. I, I feel like um, stuff like that. Looping back to your one of your psychological experiment things about the white bunny Mm -hmm. i feel like animatronics if i was around those as a child it would have traumatized me it because it it did it traumatized me billy mm -hmm. bob and his his weird animatronic plan scared me i believe that because i remember when chuck e cheese was an animatronic at some point i would not go near that stage he was on and when he moved it scared me and it was even worse when the people would come out in the mouse suit and they would walk up and don't I like, was, get away from me. Yes, it's so scary. So it's wait, terrifying. did you say that you've never been to Bucky's? Bussies? Bussies, yeah. Bussies. I've been to Bussies. You have? Yeah. Have you seen him in the suit? No, I didn't know there was a him. I thought he was just pictures. Nope. He's a mascot and he was out. And I was like, please, God. I had to walk all the way around to avoid him because I was like, please don't. I don't. <laughs> so you're actually traumatized. I avoided him. Which bussies? Uh, Jacksonville, St. Augustine area. Okay. I think I've only been to the one near Warner Robins. I've been twice, but I'm pretty sure it was the same location both times. Gotcha. I stopped in one in uh, South Carolina, too. It's right beside South of the Border, which I talk about often. I didn't tell you. I don't think I told you. I went to South of the Border. You went? I went. It looks like a ghost town, both from the road and when you pull up. But it was open um, because I was trying to find this shirt that Sal has. That says you never saw such a place and it was a sausage. You really haven't seen such a place. Yeah, right. Um, but they didn't have the shirt because I looked in. They had like three or four different gift shops. I went to all of they them, do. looked at all of their t-shirts, didn't have it. Um, they had a- so you've been, right? I've been several times. I actually stayed the night there once. It was terrifying. Okay, in the weird motel or the one with the dome connected to it? The one with the dome. Okay. It looks like a mini Epcot. 
it looked less sketchy than the one across the street oh um, god it, it was traumatizing i was like i feel like i'm in that movie vacancy i don't um, think i've seen that it has luke wilson in it so mm. yeah but anyway no and rachel mcadams actually i think she was really um but anyway i could be wrong on that um we're gonna have a, a guest in just a second i think rachel mcadams yeah rachel the um uh outside all those random animals that are there <laughs> you know what i'm talking about what i got distracted by the cat <laughs> what outside of um south of the border all the animals like the statues and stuff yeah they're all colorful i liked that i wanted to go to the top of the hat you can go to the top of the hat yeah i think it costs like four dollars but i looked online and it said it had an elevator um because my mom her knees she can't like go up yeah. the stairs no she can go up she can't come down oh. um but i didn't actually see an elevator and then i forgot we weren't gonna go on the way there we stopped twice on the way there we're like we're gonna do the go up to the hat on the way home and then we stopped on the way home looked for shirts and then forgot to go up to the hat (laughs) yeah no south of the border is uh, scary and racist (laughs) i didn't feel scared but i understand that it might not be correct yes no it's it's absolutely not and i was wondering too because they're doing the construction and the remodeling are they doing that to make it less racist I didn't see any construction when I was there. I think that's why it was a ghost town. Oh. Yeah. But Bucky's is literally like two miles from that. Are so you kidding me? It's like they're competitors almost. Yeah. So I passed a bussies and didn't even know it. You did. To be fair though, because that's the route that we are taking to Virginia. Yeah. The only thing on my mind, besides south of the border, because it's very flashy and, you know, I hadn't yeah. been there before is wawa oh yeah i said that i wanted to stop at a wawa but i didn't get to you you've never been i think i have been once or twice there i don't know why they hold such like a heavy place in my heart love them their milkshakes are to die for that's the main reason i like it but i will say i've tried their um chicken tenders with macaroni and cheese twice I was disappointed, but they're hoagies. Is it called a hoagie? Is that just like a sub? Yeah. (laughs) I tried that and I just had like my regular like turkey cheese mayonnaise. Not bad. Really? Yep. Um, Yeah, I always freak out with Wawa's and 7-Elevens. I don't think I've been to a 7-Eleven. I really don't know that I have either. Maybe in like California, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, we don't get those around here. I really wish we got an In-N-Out burger here on the um, East Coast. I would really, really enjoy that. Really? We just recently, in Monroe, got a Whataburger. Y'all got a Whataburger? Yeah, and I don't know, is that like a West Coast thing? Um, It's more like an Alabama thing. And like in that area, Alabama, Mississippi really? area, I think. Have you had... A Whataburger? No, I haven't. I heard someone call it like a water water burger. Water burger. Um, water burger. I haven't had it either. I don't know that I will, but I you should know. if it's a Monroe try out. I guess. 
Okay. Um, so I wanted to say too, with, uh, you being obsessive about sanitizing your phone and everything, how much worse everything has gotten since the pandemic, like how much of that is rational or not, especially during the time where it was, you know, highly contagious and, and things like that. Uh, because I know that I, uh, I had a client who didn't display any type of contamination fears up until COVID happened. And then it was just balls to the wall. Like wouldn't prepare food, wouldn't like to leave the house or, you know what I'm saying? Just like things like that. And just got deathly afraid of even cleaning, like cleaning scared her. Um, Really? But also she just didn't prepare food for herself at all. Um, it's like she was concerned about it um That's but yeah brutal. no i think yeah it's been um very very interesting you got the microphone for me personally i don't think the pandemic heightened that like a compulsion for me um that's a cat it's a cat <laughs> <laughs> um but no so in 2018 i think it was there was, you know, flu season and the news is always like, oh, the flu is bad, blah, blah, blah. During that time, I stayed in the house for a month straight, legitimately did not go anywhere. Um, when my mom would bring home groceries, I was wiping down every like chip bag, water bottle. And I never did that throughout the coronavirus. Really? I was still, I was, I was definitely cautious. Like I was wearing the mask and stuff, mm-hmm. but I was still getting drive-through food. I wasn't afraid for people to make my food. And I think I wasn't as scared of coronavirus because like the main symptom, throw up was not a part of that. A lot of people I've heard did get sick from it, like throwing up, Yeah. but a majority didn't. So I was like, I wasn't as scared, even though then like the (laughs) risk of death is higher, but I'm like, I'm not going to throw up. I would rather die than vomit. (laughs) That's you. Pretty much. So I don't think for me personally, the pandemic didn't worsen anything. Cause like I said, that incident in two that not 2009, when I was in the ninth grade is what really, that's when everything started. Really? Yeah. It took one time of, cause I knew that my family had been sick and they swore they were fine. And then I went to Thanksgiving and then like two nights after that. They got me sick. And then then that actually changed a lot for me because I used to like stay the night. And it, it's not like them specifically. They're yeah. just the ones who gave it to me. But like I kind of stopped hugging people for a while, especially them because they gave me the sickness. <laughs> um, yeah, I just got really weird about people in my space and touching people. But that's also that's not like a big issue for me, though, because I also do love hugging people. I just I'm very cautious. If someone's like, oh, I'm kind of sick or I was sick the other day, like before I hang out with them, I'm going to clarify what kind of sick have you thrown up at all? This and that, like, it's bad. For me, I'm just like, I don't care. Give me a hug. Not, not COVID wise, which I mean, I, I never got COVID surprisingly, shockingly have not gotten COVID. Go you. Um, but I mean, you know, I got the vaccine, um, but yeah, working since then in doctor's offices and hospitals and, and everything, 
never got it, which is insane. Congratulations. How does it feel to have superior immune system? The thing is, is that I don't feel like that. Um, it's just, it's crazy, but you know, I've never had the flu and I've never had chicken pox. So it's like all, all the big things that people are expected to get, Mm -hmm. they don't happen, but yet, you know, I have (laughs) all of these other, (laughs) all these other diseases. Yeah. I haven't had chicken pox either, but I did get COVID. Did you get it twice? Mm. Did your mom get it twice? She got it once and she oh. actually got it when I was staying in Virginia for a month. So and you couldn't was, come home, right? I, yeah, I got stuck there longer, but she was also really going through it because she was alone. And she's way more scared of Corona than I was. Mm-hmm. So she did think she was going to die. When I got Corona, it's actually crazy. Like it made me like extremely fatigued. I was sleeping all day, every day, but I didn't have a cough. I didn't have anything with my lungs, no fever. But you know what it did do? It increased my appetite by like a thousand. Really? Yes. The whole time I had COVID, I was eating nonstop. If I wasn't sleeping, I was eating. It was weird. Because I'm like, when you get sick, you're usually not hungry. Like you have so much more wrong with you. But Well, I guess it maybe falls more into the the cold type thing. Because what is the like saying, starve a fever and feed a cold or something like that? Oh. Um, So... I don't know. Maybe it kind of falls in with that. I don't know. You know, when when I got COVID, I was feeling not so great a couple of days before I got the positive test. Mm-hmm. And I took an at-home test and it said negative. So I'm like, I'm good. And I jokingly turned to my mom and coughed in her face because it said I was negative. And then the next day, I was like, so much like worse I just felt so tired and I'm like something's really not right and I took another test and it was positive but she didn't get it she didn't get it that time no and my dad had it after me and she still didn't get it because that was in January of last year and then she didn't get it until August or September wow yeah but uh lesson of the day don't cough in people's faces just because your test is negative because it could be a false negative (laughs) So you were eating, like, your sense of taste and smell didn't go away and make food unappetizing to you? Oh, you just reminded me of something. Do you remember? I'm going to answer your question, I swear. But do you remember when you helped me get a discounted hotel to come down here, but I didn't see you? I was with yeah, an ex-friend. Um, during that trip, I didn't have anything wrong with me. And this was, I believe this was in 2020? Mm- Yeah, this was in 2020, in like May. So fresh in the pandemic, right? I didn't have any symptoms. I wasn't sick. I didn't feel bad. But I couldn't smell anything and I couldn't taste anything because I went to that one place we ended up going to. With the chicken sandwich. I had what I considered the best chicken sandwich of my life, even though I couldn't taste it. The feeling was so good. But for weeks. Yes. For weeks, I had absolutely no sense of smell, no taste. But nothing else was wrong with me. And every single test was negative. And I went, I got sent to a place to take a test because I told my job at the time, like, something's not right. I can't taste and smell. I just want to be cautious. Mm -hmm. I never had COVID then, according to the test. And then over a year later, or, you know, the next year, Mm -hmm. finally got it. I don't remember my taste or smell going away. Mm -hmm. When my mom had it, 
everything was salty to her. Really? Her drinks, her food, everything. Hmm. Yeah. I heard uh, her. Um, (laughs) I heard that that can last a really, really long time. Like, it can be depressing. Yeah. Because you can't just enjoy food or anything at all for maybe months. Yeah. So every once in a while, if something tastes a little too salty, she kind of panics for a minute. She's like, is this salty? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But the good thing about COVID, I guess, double-edged sword for me, was that I wasn't I didn't have the most healthy eating habits December right before I got it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an appetite hardly ever. So getting COVID in a way was kind of a good thing by like increasing it by a thousand because then I was able to eat and enjoy foods again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe silver lining, yeah. Yeah. okay well um you got anything else to say every time i try to fly i fall without my wings i feel so small guess i need you baby Every time I see you in my dreams, I see your face. It's haunting me. <laughs> Surprise! We've been in the same room. And it is currently uh, 2.17 in the morning. Time isn't real. It's not. It's not. I guess we need to... Need to wrap it up and go to bed. Speak for yourself, ho. I'm not going to sleep. Yes, you are. I don't think so. I have a lot of energy tonight. Do you? Kind of a little bit. I feel a little wired. Uh oh. (laughs) We're gonna have we're gonna have a problem. Um, okay. Well, you want the last word in here? Thanks for tuning in to Shrey Crooked. Subscribe to the YouTube, follow the Instagram, check out the TikTok. Bye. Bye.